for just about everything for the outdoors, go to MidwayUSA.com. It's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. All right. I am blue. You are bright and shiny in my mind. You got me loving, hating, crazy indecision in my mind. Welcome to the Fall Podcast, where the focus is on deer hunting, tips, tricks, tactics, and stories from across the Midwest. And now, here is your host, Aaron Blasey. Welcome to the Fall Podcast. I am your host, Aaron Blasey, and this is episode number 16. And today, I am down at PSE Archery down in Tucson, Arizona, and I am joined by Bobby Vargas. Bobby Vargas works for PSE. He is basically the head bow technician, but he also does a lot with their marketing team. And uh, Bobby is literally probably one of the best, if not the best bow technicians I've ever met in my life. He knows everything about him, and he's very good at building bows, tuning them. I mean, you name it, he's done it, and he's really good at it. So, you know, we're down here shooting some video assets for work, and I thought it'd be nice to uh, get Bobby on here and and uh, really sit down and break down some things for everybody. We talk about hunting setups and you know brace height and you know what to look for in a bow or if, if you're new to bow hunting or even archery, what you know what you should uh, look for to get into something. Um, I mean, we talk about it all, and you know Bobby's just a wealth of knowledge with all that stuff and. This really came out really good, and, and uh, I'm glad we did it because I learned a lot too. I'm not gonna lie. I spent a week with him, you know, and he taught me a ton, not just about bows, but like arrow building and everything. You know, I used to think arrows are arrows and match up the right spine and go shoot them. Well, no, there's a lot more that goes into that, and he's really opened my eyes to that. So we don't get into arrow building today. That's gonna be another podcast, but this one's all about bows how to tune them, how to set them up and everything. So also to give a little update about me and what's kind of going on with the, uh, with the deer woods here, you know, nothing, nothing really new. You know, I've got a couple more stands to hang, which I'm going to, I'm going to get out next week and hang some over at, uh, LP camp, you know, where our big family farm and, um, really excited about doing that. And I'm also excited about, I ordered a Cuddy link system for our deer camp for our, our, uh, our family farm so i'm really excited about that we're getting a series of eight cameras and uh we're not getting the cell cameras what we're doing is we're going to disperse these cameras throughout the property there's going to be eight with a ninth camera being a home base so basically you put the home base at deer camp where you know our hub is and all these eight cameras they talk to each other so they all send the pictures back to one sd card that's at home base so all you gotta do is pull that one SD card that's at home and put it in your computer and you can folder them out they'll you know you can see every camera and what's going on so you don't have to go into your spot to check any cameras so I'm really excited about getting that getting it set up and uh, really using that I think all the guys at camp will really like it and 
and it'll just be another way where we don't have to go in and put any scent or you know put any more pressure on the farm so that's enough of me rambling on i want to get bobby on here so i hope everybody enjoys this and uh thanks for listening All right, here today we are with Bobby Vargas of PSE. Bobby, how you doing? I'm doing great, man. How are you? Appreciate you having me. Yeah, good. Um, you know, we're down here in Tucson at PSE. We've been here all week and uh, doing some video assets and some marketing things, and it's been a lot of fun. I appreciate you having us down. Heck yeah, it's been a, been a lot of fun. We got a lot of great content with you guys here, and we really love your work and what you do. And yeah, um, you know, love working with you too. That makes the whole whole experience so much better. Yeah, definitely. Well, I want to get into a lot of things today, and you and I have been kind of talking, and I pick your brain throughout the season, and just because you're a bow technician guru, and <laughs> one of the best that I know, and uh, I just kind of want to get into, you know, common mistakes and, and, and ways to tune your bow, and you know, everything in between, basically. Um, but first, give everybody a little bio about yourself, and who you are, what you do for PSC and, and kind of how long you've been here doing it. All right. Yeah. So I've been, uh, I've been in the industry for 27 years. I've been shooting since I was seven. I just turned 46 this year. I know, I know it's, that's hard to believe, but I'm a full, whole 46 years old this year, but I started uh, shooting a bow when I was 15 and luckily uh, I landed a job at a local bow shop here in Tucson and uh, worked there for four years. I was a floor manager and coincidentally in charge of the archery department. And because I was in charge of the archery department, I was a buyer. So that's how I got to learn and meet you know, some of the people with PSC. I already knew who they were and what they were. I was already shooting the product and and was a big fan, still a fanboy. Mm-hmm. But you know, I was a fan of PSC. And then I got to work in an industry where I got to deal directly with them. And then the more I dealt with them, I got to become you know, create a relationship with PSE. Yeah. And ultimately, after four years of working at a gun shop here in town, I had a meeting with the VP of sales at the time and said he had a spot for me and asked me if I was interested and, and came right over. Um, so I already had a little bit of archery experience and every day of the last you know, 22 years has been a learning experience. Yeah. Just never stop learning. So uh, on a daily basis, what do you do here at PSE then? So what I do here daily currently is I'm I'm in the marketing department. So um, that's a real broad statement. It's hard it's hard to to narrow it down to one thing, but I do a lot of different things out here. Currently, we're in the middle of our 2019 catalog production. Okay. And that consumes everybody in our department for you know, 90 days, 120 days, because yep. all our complete focus is on getting that catalog done yeah. and ready. And with doing that, you know, we're working with all of the other departments here because we can't get our catalog done unless every other department here is getting their job done to get us the product for photos, getting us the right uh, descriptions, the right colors, the right whatever, so that we can, you know, put it in the catalog the way it's supposed to be. Among uh, other things, I'm in charge of our pro staff, uh, our our national and international shooting team the guys that shoot at the top level so those guys report to me and and blake shelby um also i'm in charge of taking care of getting all the equipment to all of the tv show personalities okay we set all those bows up for them here and make sure that they get their allocations Uh, i'm the one that sets up and ships out all the bows to um, writers for magazines um, anybody doing any kind of review or write-up 
No, I'm the go-to for that, and, mm-hmm. and I'm the one that sends that equipment out, and also in charge of getting that equipment back too. That's <laughs> that's a bigger chore yeah. than, than than getting it out, but still, we've got to do it. And uh, um, you know, and just working with all the other departments here the best I can to make sure they have what they need from us to do their job. Yeah. Yeah. So how many how many bows do you think you're working on a year? Oh shoot, that is a, that is a hard question to answer. So I'll, I'll lay it down. Um, last week before I came out here, this week I haven't touched the bow because you kept me busy. Yeah. All week, but, um, last week I had, uh, from Tuesday, from Tuesday to, to Thursday, I had to set up 16 bows for oh, wow. a TV show. And that's just, I don't have to build them, meaning from the bottom up build them. I get them out of the warehouse in the box, mm-hmm. but I had to set each one of them up, uh, knocking loop, peep sight, you know, peep rest everything paper tuning setting it to that that person's exact draw length and weight and and everything so i had to do 16 of those bows in two days on top of doing my regular day-to-day stuff so that was probably a busier week than others but i am at the very least doing two or three bows a day for somebody okay there's very few days where i'm not setting up a bow for somebody okay but uh shoot i mean do the math on that however many days you work in a year but we're doing you know, one doing or two bows a day for somebody. Yeah, yeah. You, you've done thousands. <laughs> easy, easy, yeah. easy over the years. Well, to to kind of get into that, I've got some questions here. And, you know, I'm just going to start rattling them off here. And, you know, what are some common mistakes that people are making? And I know it's kind of a loaded question in a way, but as far as, like, setting their bow up, what are some common mistakes if they're, if they're doing them themselves or even if they're taking to a pro shop? What are some mistakes that could be made? You know, I think probably one of the biggest mistakes people are making is is overthinking it too much. You know, um, especially the guys that that aren't too sure about about their equipment and setting up the equipment and and what needs to be done. I think they may overthink it too much and and not know that they're actually doing a good job on their bow when they're mm-hmm. when they're putting it together. Um, and on top of that, probably the next biggest mistake that most people make, and and it drives me nuts here, is uh, you know, they won't get they won't leave the paper tuning machine and get out on the range okay and they won't get out on the range until they get that bullet hole through paper you know there's so many other things you can do to that bow other than seeing how it shoots through papers all it's telling you is how the arrow is flying through the air at that moment it's not it's not telling you everything that you need to know and can find out when you're on the range and too many people just they want and need that bullet hole it's that that security blanket to let them know in their minds that it's that arrow shooting straight right. and and yes it is but there are so many other things that you that you can and want to do to your bow other than just shooting it through paper yeah like you said it's a security blanket it's extra comfort for guys knowing that okay my arrow is you know to the guys that aren't doing what you're doing basically and behind the scenes it's like my arrow is flying straight mm-hmm. that's what they're thinking you know yeah. and it's not kicking or you know um for the longest time i didn't even know what a paper tune was you know until wasn't life great for you shooting your bow before you knew was, what that was because all you did was went out there and shoot yep. that's all you do you just grab your bow and you know what you you hit a pie plate at 30 yards 40 yards mm-hmm. and you're fine you know you could go kill animals or do whatever you want to do mm-hmm. now with the paper tuning it, it's kind of a not in a way a headache but it's just something else that you have to go to the shop to get done yes. or you know you could build your own paper tuner but then you got to know how to paper tune it and maybe that might be what we get into next you know explain when you're paper tuning it um let's say you have a right tear on your bow what do you do to correct that um, 
Well, to, if you're a right-handed shooter and you're getting a right tear, um, well, I guess either way. I mean, if you're referring to a right tear, if your knock is is tearing to the right and your point is pointing to the left. Yep. When when you're when you're doing that, you basically you start with the arrow wrist. Start with the easier things. There's a lot of different things you can do to to get that out. But start with the easier things. If it if it's just as much as a minor arrow rest adjustment, go there first. Um, so many guys think that the arrow rest has to be just perfectly down the middle of that shaft for their bow to shoot right. And that ideally, that's where you want it. But if it's not there, it's okay. It, mm-hmm. It's hard to get people to understand that it is okay. You know, it does get to the point where it's too far one way or the other. Right. But if it's not quite in the center, it's okay. So if you're getting a lateral tear, go to your arrow rest first. Typically, follow your point. So if you're getting a knock right tear, it means your point's to the left, adjust your arrow rest a little bit. To you know, the left. Yes, following okay. the point. Okay. But but just ever ever so little bit, and just follow it and, and get it back. So follow your knock point. So wherever wherever your arrow is going in at. So if your arrow is going in, making the first initial hole, and then your your veins are off to the right, you want to follow that left hole, that first yes. initial hole. The, the, yeah, the point. Okay. The point yep. part of it. Yeah. So, you know, do you ever do what's called bare shaft tuning, and is it is it that important to do it you know i i don't i've been shooting for 35 years or however long it is and and i've heard of it before i've i've tried it before a long long time ago and and i personally didn't feel like i was i was gaining anything by doing it and you know there's a lot of people that live and die by bare shaft tuning their bows and those guys can out shoot shoot me all day long so i'll never question their theory on that but my theory is I'm never going to shoot a, a bear shaft. Why would I need to know how that that arrow flies? As a bear shaft. Yeah, as yep. a bear shaft. But I will say that the one thing a bear shaft tune will do is help to let you know that your arrows are spined correctly for your bow. Okay. That's what it will help you do. But any other tuning aspect of it, personally, I don't really feel like you're gaining anything by doing it other than knowing that the arrow spined. But hopefully... Your dealer gave you the right spined arrow when you left the shop. Right. And, you know, our, our dealers our dealers are knowledgeable enough to know that they've given you that right shaft. So if they've given you the right arrow, then there's no need to retest that again at I home. see. But, uh, yeah, personally, I, I've never, I've never, um, I shouldn't say never, but I don't bear shaft tune now, and I get really, really good results with our tuning methods. Now. Okay. For anybody that's out there that wants to, you know, paper tune their own bow, let's say they have their own paper tuner and, and they're just kind of getting into it, what should they know to uh, what should they know to to get started with it? How far does the paper tuner have to be away from where you're shooting? And, you know, what are some common things that they should know to, to be successful at it? Well, you want to you want to get about five feet away, roughly. Give the arrow some time to get out of the bow and and show you, you know, which direction it's going. Um, but even before you get that far, you want to make sure that whatever arrow rest you have set up, that you're getting the best clearance that you can. Um, I would say the majority of the guys out there that are hunting, most of them are probably shooting a full capture style rest, like a whisker biscuit or something like that. So vein contact is is not an issue but with mm-hmm. whatever other rest you're shooting you need to make sure that you're getting a clean release on that arrow there's no contact anywhere because if your veins are hitting any part of your rest it's not going to no adjustment you can make to that rest is going to change how it tears through paper because you're, you're crashing out of the bow okay so make sure you have good vein clearance stand about five five or so feet away and also 
um, you have to do the shooting. You, and you, you can't let anybody else shoot your bow and paper tune your bow. They can do it and get a, get a good starting point. But we have that here. We deal with that here all day, every day. People send their bows into us because they can't, they can't get it to get a good paper tune at home. So they send it here to us to do it. Well, we can do the best we can and, and we can get it to tune here, but you can tune it and hand it to me and I'll get a different tear than right. anybody else here mm-hmm. would. So make sure you're doing it. Make sure you're, you have proper grip, proper stance, and make sure that you're shooting it the way you shoot. Anchor it the way you would normally anchor. Hold no grip the way you would normally anchor. And get about five feet away from the paper and you know, have, have make sure your, your veins are clearing your rest and go from there. Okay. So now I'd like to transition to, to like a bow hunting setup. Um, what is, what is your bow hunting setup consist of as far as, you know, what rest are you using? Um, what's your specs, you know, what, what draw length, you know, what, what poundage are you pulling in uh, arrow spine? Like what, what's your perfect setup for you? So right now my perfect setup is my, my current hunting setup. It's the PSC expedite. It's our speed bow mm-hmm. of, the, of the product line, and I'm shooting it in the high let with the high let off modules. Okay. So I've got it at ninety percent let off, seventy pounds. And even as I'm getting older now, I'm learning. I don't really. I want to say just to say face. I don't need seventy, but more my shoulders aren't liking seventy anymore. Right. But uh, I'm I'm still I'm gonna shoot seventy as long as I can. But mm-hmm. um, for the next couple of years, I'm probably gonna drop down to more of that sixty six the low sixty poundage range. But my current setup, anyway, to answer your question, seventy pound expedite uh, ECS cam, high let off module. I got the PSC three fifty nine shafts that um, uh, they weigh. They're weighing about. Uh, 400 grains okay. right about there 405 yep and uh 27 inch draw and i'm shooting about 305 310 okay. that's pretty good for a 27 and a half inch draw too yeah, yeah now you know you and i were talking i think it was last night you and i were talking about uh you were trying to convince me to shoot a 125 grain point and i've only ever shot 100 grain points you know and it's that's something hard for me to fathom shooting a bigger point. Now, explain to me why I should switch up and and shoot a bigger point. What what were you explaining? I re- I really like shooting that heavier tip out there, and and the biggest reason for me is you know, living out west. My ninety eight percent of my hunting is going to be out here, and out here, you know, we don't, I don't. Uh, I don't have the luxury of sitting in a tree. That, and with your week here in Tucson, you probably didn't see one tree we <laughs> right. could put a stand in. I bet. Um, so I don't have that luxury of sitting in a stand where I'm gonna where I'm gonna get a shot at 15, 20, 25 yards. Right. So it, it's not uncommon for us to for us to have to take a long shot. And for for me and for anybody really, with that heavier grain tip out there, it helps it helps maintain much better long range groups for me. Okay. My groups get a lot tighter downrange, and also, you know, when, once that arrow gets downrange, it carries better uh, kinetic momentum. Um, it carries better velocity downrange, and it doesn't. I know it doesn't sound right because you're putting a heavier tip out there, but because you still have that mass weight of the shaft, um, that that heavier tip is going to carry that arrow a little bit faster downrange. Yep. Um, I mean, not a, not leaps and bounds, but still. Um, but the biggest reason for me is that heavier tip helps to guide that arrow, and it, and now that 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 heavier tip is is pulling that arrow behind it, it's gonna it's gonna pull it into tighter groups downrange. Yeah, if that makes any sense. Yeah. yeah. So so my hunting setup, I shoot a Carbon Air um, ECS thirty two, 
uh, ECS cam, and I, I'm shooting. Uh, um, my hunting arrow is about a 480 grain hunting arrow, wow. and and I, I'm a 28 inch draw. In in my apex right now, basically is from 50 to 60 that's where my my arrow is like really starting to drop my pin Mm -hmm. gap is really starting to fall off Mm -hmm. now with that if i was to move to 125 grain point which would make my arrow over 500 grains where would i see my apex being is is my pin gap going to be better from 20 to 30 like how does my pin gap work you know what you're what you're going to see with that is that overall your pin gap like your 20 30 40 over your pin gap might get a little bit wider Mm -hmm. but throughout the entire spectrum of your pins you're going to be a little more consistent throughout there okay um with with an arrow that heavy um you could get away with getting into a lighter spined arrow and still using that heavier tip and and uh and be able to you know get rid of that apex like you say we have that big gap between right. 50 and 60 um if but but keeping that same arrow and putting a heavier tip on there um it's going to affect the spine of that shaft helping you helping giving you better better you know downrange groups but i think that heavier tip out front is going to help you know drive and pull that shaft or pull that arrow you know, downrange better and it's going to essentially you know help give you a more even pin gap throughout your entire sight setting yeah, and that, and that was that was kind of you know for me never shooting a hundred twenty five grain tip. I'm like, well, what, why do I need to shoot it? Um, hundred grain has been doing everything it needs to do for me. But you kind of opened my eyes to to trying something new. But it's still hard for me to wrap my head around doing it. So I think the biggest advantage you're going to get from it, because I mean, I shot hundred grain tips for forever too, and and I just was would just deal with that you know big pin gap between 40 or 50 or 50 or 60 depending on what bow I had set up. I just dealt with it cuz that's just the way it was, but once I learned that putting that heavier tip out there is going to help to even my even my pin settings throughout my entire set, I never turned back to 100 grains. So uh, you say 100 grain tip did everything you needed as far as you know you killed every animal you shot at. Yeah. You know, so it's not a it's not a matter of not having enough with 100 grain tip, but it's going to help with that pin gap. So where it's going to give you the greatest advantages, you know, if you ever have to gap your pins, if you have a target that's between that those apex pins, we'll call them, you know, you're, at that distance, you know, every yard matters. Yeah. And when you're having to gap pins that are that far apart, you know, right. that's the difference between either a huge miss or possibly even, even you know, wounding that right. animal. So I think by, you know, going to that heavier green tip and, and you know, getting that even pin gap, you know, throughout your entire spectrum, mm-hmm. I think that's going to be your greatest advantage with going to that 125 green tip. Yeah, and, you know, I'd like to transition a little bit to, to the ECS cam. You know, we've been talking about the ECS cam. It's the Evolve, Evolve cam system. And we've been talking a lot about in the last three days doing doing this video work and everything and you know back you know not even 10 years ago PSC has always been known as the speed bow and everybody would say it's radical you know a lot of my friends that have shot PSC like it just feels like you know there's so much vibration it's just it's speed short brace sight they don't think it's forgiving but you've really opened my eyes to even a shorter brace sight being just as forgiving as a seven to a seven and a half inch brace sight yes short by I mean like could be five and a half inches could be six inches and uh you know with the cams now the x-force technology you had before Mm -hmm. was kind of the speed technology correct Mm -hmm. and now with this evolve cam system you still have that speed but you have the comfort and precision 
mm-hmm. as well. So can you elaborate a little more on that? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So so we've, we've always been known as being a performance company. You know, no one out there has has been beating us on, on speed. But like you said, in order to get the speed, it, it's typically a, um, that term radical, you know, it's used a lot. It's a radical cam, so it's hard to pull, really harsh on the shot. Everything about it really wasn't fun or comfortable, but you're, but you're getting a performance. But over the years, we've, we've been learning a lot about being able to maintain that performance and getting a more comfortable cam. Um, but not just that, but with the X technology that you mentioned earlier, there's so many things, so many, so many technological advances, advances that were put into that X technology, um, that I really love to talk about. It, it's, it's hard to, to convey that without a visual, right. but I'm going to yep. do the best I can right here. And anybody that's listening to this, um, knows our highly preloaded limbs mm-hmm. and they, and I'm sure that seeing that a lot of other manufacturers out there are trying to duplicate that, but, but they can't, you'll see more of a straight limb, but, but parallel style and they angle it with the limb pocket to get that, that look, but they'll never duplicate the X technology um, preload in the limbs. And with that, what that, it does many things, but one of the, the incredible things that that preloaded limb does is when you take that shot the limbs, the limbs are, have so much load in them that it pulls the axles apart from each other during the shot so quickly. It pulls the cables and string together so tight, so fast, that it helps create a super short launch time, meaning from the time that you hit the trigger of your release, from the time the arrow's off the string, that's what we call launch time. It creates a super short launch time, giving you very, very little time to make a mistake during the shot. But even more importantly, beyond that, that launch time is our dynamic brace height. It stays really close to brace as possible. So a lot of people think I need deep brace height to be forgiving. Well, with our bows, you don't need to go with a deeper brace height to be forgiving or to give up any accuracy. With our bows, it's it's the the bow is releasing that arrow so close to brace that you can shoot a six inch brace height bow and not have to worry about giving up any forgiveness or accuracy. And if you look at anybody else's uh, bows, we did some, some high speed film testing on them to show people that, um, each, any brand X model bow with a deeper brace height than ours, it holds onto that arrow so much longer than ours does that it releases it down, you know, an inch or two past our dynamic brace height. And so brace height really is not an issue anymore. People still, we, we, we can't tell people enough, you know, don't be afraid of shooting a short brace height. And, and only, you'll only get that forgiveness out of a short brace height bow with X technology built into it. So in, in, a, in a way, it's kind of a myth yeah. nowadays because, <laughs> you know, even, even guys that I know, they want to go, they're like, well, you shoot a six and a quarter brace light it's probably not that forgiving yes you're get you're getting your speed that's what they think and that's what i thought but now you know as you you showed me those videos on youtube with Mm -hmm. the dynamic brace height and everything and Mm -hmm. i get it now um you know the one bow that you were shooting against a psc Mm -hmm. the psc's dynamic brace height when when the arrow launched off of the string Uh like when it exited the bow that other bow wasn't even three quarters. It wasn't even. Like yeah, it was it, still at three quarter draw. It was still at three quarter draw. It was draw. still at three quarter draw. And it was it was released at the same exact time. Right. So, like you said, there's less room for error. Yeah. With that, and and you know, we were talking about the draw as well. The draw is so smooth on that. There's not like, 
you know, before they're like, oh, it, it lumps into the draw and yep. it's like really hard, you know. Yeah. This one, it, it's comfort. It brings it back, you yeah. know, and you lock in. It's a solid back wall. Yeah. And you've really taught me that a brace height really, in a lot of ways, doesn't even mean anything. Yeah. You know. No, what, what brace height does for you now, really, for us in our minds, and, and is, uh, it, it kind of dictates what our draw length setting and range is going to be in that particular model. Um, so if we got a you know, six-inch model brace height, most bows with that brace height typically fall within that 25 to 30-inch draw length setting. And but if we need to get longer, then you need to go to a seven-inch brace height, and that you know, drops uh, bumps that draw length range up an inch. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, with um, with that being said, that that goes back to you know, launch time, like we we're talking about. Yeah. You know, with, with with that other bow that was still at three-quarter draw while the arrow was off of our string, you know, that was with the seven-inch brace height model bow too, compared to our six. Their bra- yes, their brace height yeah. was an inch bigger. You yeah. Know? Um, so there's just so much, so many great things that we, that, that we put into the X technology that people just don't understand. It's not just looks. I mean, there's so much time, uh, and development put into those bows to help you know, give the end user just, just the absolute best experience. Yeah. And, and we, we just, it's going to take a lot of educating on our part to let them know, you know, you don't need crazy long axle to axle to be accurate. You don't need deep brace height to be forgiving. You know, you can still shoot one of our bows at, at a comfortable, you know, axle-to-axle length with a six-inch brace height and still hit the middle every right. time. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, and that, I've been shooting PSC personally for about 10 years now. And, you know, I, I shot a X-Force GX for a little bit, and that was kind of a—I mean, there was the Omen, which was the fastball. I mean, that was the most—that was that bow was just crazy fast. But then the GX was kind of the same— same cam system a little bit than the Omen was. It was a little slower, but it was still screaming fast. Now that bow, <clears throat> that bow was a very nice bow. But then when I got into like the Evo, and the Evo was a super, super mm-hmm. nice bow. And then it went to the DNA, and the D- DNA to this day is still really up there. Yeah. That was one of my favorite all-time bows yeah. until the Carbon one came out. And that Carbon, <laughs> I just, I can't yeah. get it on my hands, you know. Yeah. But so, and I, I said that, you know, the brace height is common, kind of a common myth. Is there any other common myths that people thought in the past, but now you guys have kind of revolutionized that and it's really not even a factor anymore? Do you have any other ones? Yeah, even with, um, you know, talking about the, about let offs, and uh, you mentioned that you hit a, a great topic, a great point with that GX cam. So it was essentially an upgraded version of the HF cam from the original X Force, but in 80% let off. So uh, uh, one of the really cool things about being here and having full containment and uh, full control of manufacturing here was when we introduced that X-Force, people were, were like, man, I really do like that bow a lot, but I sure would like it even more if you had an 80% let off. Right. So the next year we introduced it with 80% let off, but it was slower, like you said. And because at the time, as we're learning more about, about the cams as we do today at the time, you know, the only way we knew how to get higher let off was to create a deeper valley. You create a deeper valley, then it takes longer for the, for the string to ramp up to peak weight on the draw. So you, you're going to lose speed. Don't necessarily lose performance, but you're going to lose, you know, you're going to lose speed. So with our, with our bows now, with the ECS cam, we're able to give you that deep valley, valley comfortable feel, but it performs like a short valley bow. Customers don't know it, um, but, but, um, it's performing like a short valley bow, but what they wanted is that deep valley feel. 
and I don't know how our engineers did it. They sprinkled some magic dust on it or something, but you know, that that's one of the features that, that we've asked him for is, is give us that high let off, give us that, that smooth pull, give us that comfort feel where I can just hold that thing back forever and, and not lose any performance. And, and people don't know this, but our ECS cam actually shoots a little bit faster in the high let off position than it does in the low let off position. Okay. Yeah. I did not know that. <laughs> it just it blows people's minds to tell them that. But yeah, if you set it into the high let off position, you're going to get just a little bit more speed out of that high yeah. let off position. But you're getting that deep valley feel, crazy comfortable to draw and hold, and yeah. uh, more speed. How about that? Yeah, definitely. And I've, you know, I've shot a lot of bows. I've shot bear bows. I've shot Bowtech bows. You know, I've I've shot a lot of them. And PSC is just. It's been the fit for me, and honestly, you know, Chris and Casey are sponsored by you guys, PSC. Mm-hmm. I've shot PSC before I was even working for them, and that was just the bow for me. Actually, a good friend of mine um, had a GX, and that's he kind of got me into it, okay. and and uh, he really liked it. And then I started shooting his a little bit, and, and then I was like, okay, I, I need to get one, and I really like it. And then, uh, you know, you and Blake and I were talking about the Evo the other night, how that was like a groundbreaking mm-hmm. like thing for PSC in the archery world. And then it just upped the game, like I said, from the DNA and then to the SP and then, you know, now with the carbon and, um, and, uh, I just kind of want to squash all those, 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 uh, myths out there, I guess, or whatever you want to call them about people saying short brace sites aren't forgiving. Yeah. And, you know, PSCs are only radical fastballs. It's mm-hmm. it's it's not that. You really need to mm-hmm. go and shoot them. Yeah, they might not feel right for you, but I just want that to be over and done with. Like it's it's not like that. I'm I'm right there with you. I want that to be over and done with you. And it's it, it even if it takes talking to one person at a time to educate <laughs> them, you know, we'll we'll do it for sure. But yeah, you know, that's why we put those videos out. Hopefully, we have enough people going to look at mm-hmm. them. But maybe we need to refresh everybody's memory. You know, go go to the U, the PSC channel, yeah, YouTube channel, yep. and look up dynamic brace height. Look up, look up launch time. Now check those videos out, and they're yeah. going to be huge, huge eye openers for yeah. you. Um, but yeah, um. A lot, a lot of the guys that that are just coming into it, you know, the guys my age, all the old guys, we all grew up thinking that we needed deep brake height and long axle axle. Yeah. So it's hard, it's hard to convince those guys. It's hard to educate those guys. But there's so many guys like you that are, that are so so much younger than me <laughs> that didn't that didn't have that long axle to axle deep brake height influence right. that I did. So, but it's still the same educating process to tell you guys. You know, you you don't have to have that to be accurate. Right. Um, the, the, the Evo, you know, it, it's funny to hear you talk about the models cause you're, you're able to rattle off all the models better than I can in, the, <laughs> in their succession over the years. But, uh, well, you have so many bows that come in your yeah, door every day, so it's hard to, you know, it, it's tough, but, well, yeah, just, you know, don't be afraid of the short brake side. Just, just don't, mm-hmm. um, and don't, don't get caught up in thinking that you need that deep brake sight model bow. And it's hard because, I mean, unless you're listening to this podcast or unless you go to our YouTube channel to see that difference, when you go into that shop in your mind and in every, in every article you've ever read, they're telling you go long axle axle, go deep brake sight. So you go to the shop and you see everything hanging on the wall. You're going to gravitate towards that. That, mm-hmm. that deep brace height model bow, yeah. but you're really not going to, you're really not going to um, do yourself any favors right. um, unless you're buying ours, yeah. you know, with, with the deep brace height target bow. But, um, you know, 
I, I can't I can't say this enough and, and even with me being part of that video it's still mind blowing to see that we had, you know, that, that other bow shoot against ours with an inch inch deeper brace height that held onto that string, you know, two inches beyond our brace height. Right. You know, so and and what a lot of people don't realize is for every little bit that that string travels beyond brace with your arrow still connected to it, you're losing speed. Explain that a little more for people because I can't see it. So, like, you know, basically, if it's a six inch brace height, and when you let go of the bow, if the arrow is connected, when it gets past that six inches, yes, you're losing speed more. Correct. Yes. Every little bit that 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 string carries your arrow beyond that six inches, you're losing speed. So, or or whatever that brace height is of that right. model. For every bit that it travels beyond that measured brace height, you're losing speed. You're losing performance. Mm -hmm. With ours, you're not going to see it travel much beyond, you know, m maybe three-quarter inch, and I think at the most maybe an inch. Mm -hmm. But with a lot of other manufacturers' bows, and we, we, we've done the speed high-speed testing here. Right. I mean, it's not just because I'm Bobby with PSE. I mean, we've <laughs> seen it. We've seen yeah. it firsthand. Yep. You know, and, and, and we put it out there for the world to see. You know, go, go to our YouTube channel to see. Every little bit that it that that arrow stays on the string beyond brace, you're losing performance and you're losing speed, and you're and it's just giving you that much extra time to make the slightest mistake. You yeah. Know, you know, so you're losing speed and and you're giving yourself a chance to pull yourself off the mark. Yeah. So, you know, this is something I've been wanting to ask you. In in general, this is a general question. Wh why do bows cost so much? There's a lot of contributing factors to that, and I get that too. You know, we're giving tours to people here pretty regularly, and and the the easiest way for me to show people that is when we're going through our our CNC machine machine shop, and you can see some of the the pieces of material that we're working on. So we use a lot of different types of materials. So so in a nutshell, you know, we offer, and everybody knows, we offer a lot of different. Uh, bow options from that entry level three hundred dollar entry level bow to that fifteen hundred dollar high end you know target bow or hunting bow, and everything in between, and obviously there's different price points price points in between there, but we don't just inadvertently say this bow is going to be this much this one is this much this one is this much using all the same materials it it just doesn't happen so, um, the different types of materials dictate costing, the amount of of machine time dependent on the design of that handle dictates costing every for every second that 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 handle is on a cnc machine it's costing us money so if it's a really intricate design it's going to cost more money you look at you look at some of our entry-level bows and how they're cut out you don't see a lot of a lot of extra machining on the edges or on the front and back faces it's it's primarily in the profile of it and we do that you know to to save money to the, for the end user if we can save money to make it we're going to pass that savings on to the to the end user but then we get into some of the higher end bows where um that we have forgings that are crazy expensive to make you know so if if it costs us a lot of money you know we we have to you know um take it and, and pass it on mm -hmm. you know so there's the forgings and extrusions and castings and material types you know every bit of those are contributing factors to costing and then within each of those models and handle types there's differences in in the design that dictate costing too so there's so many different things that 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 dictate the cost of a bow, to, you know, to tell you why one bow is more expensive than another. You know, a lot of it's in material, a lot of it's in the design time, and a lot of it is um, 
you know, and the research and development stage too, you know, all of those are contributing factors. I mean, there, we don't just inadvertently decide this boat's going to be this much, this boat's going to be this much, you know, we, we, there's so much that goes into each, every one of them. Yeah. And you guys offer a bow for basically everybody, Yep. you know, just about any price point you can buy a, a ready to shoot bow, mm-hmm. you know, it's got everything on it or to your higher end bows, you know, even your target bows or your crossbows, you mm-hmm. guys offer a lot of things for any type of shooter, which is great, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I, I love that we offer the ready-to-shoot model bows now. I mean, especially the guys that are just getting into it, you know. It, it's a bit overwhelming. When you flip through our catalog, there's so many different accessories. I mean, if, you, if you've never done it before, you know, I'm not sure what to get. You know, I, I still I do a little gun hunting, but not too much. But whenever I need to go get, you know, a new gun, I don't know which scope to get. I don't know which rings are best for that scope. Right, I don't, right. Whatever it is, I, I'm, I'm just not sure. And a lot of the gun companies give you that entry-level package to get started. And then with that, you learn what you liked and didn't like about it. And then you can go on from there and, and upgrade. But until until I got to that point, I, I, may, I may not have ever even bought one. Right. You know, wouldn't have gotten started knowing that they had that package that that manufacturer felt had all the right components for me to start with. So we had that mentality in mind too. You know, we have a lot of us here are bow hunters. Um, so between us, we look at all the bows and we and we feel that we put all the right accessories on these packages. So people, when they get it, they're not having they're not buying a, a ready to shoot bow from us and pulling an accessory off and dropping something else on. They're getting good quality accessories to start with right. that they're going to be able to run with for years so it's it's an it's easy for them to to get into it and then from that point they can decide if they want something more or or uh, just leave it just the way it is well and let's be honest too i mean guys that you know guys men or women that are getting into archery they don't want to spend a lot of money either because yep. who knows if they're going to like it or if they're mm-hmm. buying it for their kid mm-hmm. that's just coming up and they don't know if they're going to like it or not you know you guys are offering bows and accessories and everything that aren't going to break the bank that will give them a good entry level bow mm-hmm. that'll do what they want for a good period of time until they grow into another one right. if if they do that and, and and to expand on that a little bit i mean not only do we give them a great bow at a great price for them to get into because i mean I, i'm a dad too you know i i want my my little guy to to experience things if there's right. something that he wants to do I, I want him to experience it and but at the same time i don't want to buy that top of the line model up front to find out he didn't like it. Yep. So it's nice it's nice to have that entry level model to get into to get started with. But with our youth bows, you know, with any other game out there, you know, you don't have to worry about growing out of it. With archery and the kid, they're growing like weeds and my little guy he's <laughs> the same way. And so, you know, going a step further with archery, when you go to go to buy your kid's bow you want to make sure that that it's adjustable. Right. You want to make sure it's going to stay with them for a long time, whether they whether you find out they like that sport or not. You want to know that that bow that you got them is going to last mm-hmm. for a while. Not only the quality, but the adjustability of it. Yeah. And that's one of the things that I'm really proud of is with our entry level models. They're so highly adjustable. You can get down to like 11 and a half inches to start, and it'll go out to a 28, 29 inch draw depending wow. on which model you get. So more often than not, that youth that decided they liked it and want to stay with it, they're going to grow out of that model, meaning they're ready to upgrade to the next model, not necessarily growing out of the weight or the length of that model, but they've liked it enough or they shot it enough to realize that, yes, I, I'm ready to take the next step into that next yeah. level. And, and uh, you know, the parents don't have to worry about 
you know, buying a bow and having to buy them another bow in a couple of years because they really like it and they're ready for the next one, that bow is going to last them a long time. Yeah. You know, and that, and that kind of brings me to another point too is, you know, what makes the most effective hunting bow in your eyes? You know, what, what, what a guy, what should guys be, you know, looking for to get into a hunting setup? Cause you know, I was talking to Stefan Hansen this week mm-hmm. and he's the number one shooter in yeah. the world right now. And, um, you know, he's a target shooter and he, he does a lot of things that like, he doesn't like a lot of mechanical things, mm-hmm. like anything that could go possibly wrong on the range, you know, now hunting guys, you know, even if it was like, he doesn't necessarily do this, but what if it was like a, a cable slide, you know, you guys have the roller guards and the cable slide as well. So like some 3d shooters I've been talking to, they'll take those roller guards off and use the cable slide because that is something mechanical that could happen to them on the range. And I feel like, I think they get disqualified. Is that true? No, no, not necessarily disqualified, but, uh, but yeah, they, they do want to have, you know, fewer, the fewest mechanical parts as possible. Right. So now for a bow hunter, what would be the most effective setup for them, whether it's accessories or arrows or or what it is, or cams or axle axle, I mean, break that kind of down. Well, you know, that, that's, uh, that's the beauty of what we have here because, um, every bow we have is going to be, it's going to be effective for any bow hunter. And we have offer so many different models. I think one of, one of the, one of the most effective things that you can do for you before you even add any accessory is to find a bow that fits. If the bow doesn't fit you, it doesn't matter what you put on there. You're not, you're not going to perform well. The bow is going to do the same thing over and over again. But if it doesn't fit you and you're not doing the same thing over and over again, then it doesn't matter what accessory you put on. It's just it's just not going to work real well. So make sure the bow fits you. So what's, what's a good way to, um, to even break it down even farther? What's a good way for somebody to measure their draw length if they don't know what it is? Um, you know, there's there's a couple couple of ways to do it. Um, I've been doing it long enough where I can look at you and say you're about a 28-inch. And we can start from there. And yep. I think a lot of retailers are, are that way too. But um, um, the beauty of our bows and all of our cams, we've got the rotating inner cam. So, and I've done it a million times. I'm sure our, our dealers have too. As I, like I said, I can look at a guy and kind of figure he's about this draw length, whatever it is. Set that rotating module to that draw length and have them pull it back and then use that as a starting point. Okay. But if you're at home, you don't, you're not sure what your draw length is. One real easy way to kind of figure out a good starting point is to stand, um, square against the wall. You know, with your, if you're right hand or left hand stand, say you're right-handed, you're going to stand with your left shoulder facing the wall and you're going to, you want to make a fist with your arm fully extended and lay it up against the wall. And now you're, you're, you're standing perpendicular to the wall yep. and you turn your head and face face your hand and have somebody measure from the wall to the corner of your mouth okay and then that's going to get you a good starting point okay there's a couple other methods where you do wingspan and you have to do a lot of math that's that's no fun this is an easy one to do and um, you still need two people to do it but that's a good starting point but uh, i love that our cams are so highly adjustable that you that that starting point, like I said, is just a starting point. Don't don't make that you know put that in stone, because the different bow models are gonna are gonna change your effective draw length. The different type of releases are gonna change the actual yeah. draw length. So you use that as a starting point. So when you go into the dealer, you've already you're already that one step ahead. Okay, you know, and, and what 
I guess to make it one step farther, you know, is there a, and we kind of already squashed the brace height bug, so I won't even bring up that. I mean, any brace height's going to be good um, for for a bow hunter, I would think. You know, types of cams, is there any sort of type of cam that you're you're looking for for a bow hunter, you know, just like an average guy like you and I just going out bow hunting, whether it's whitetail hunting or elk hunting, like, do you recommend a certain cam or is it all? You know, it, in today's environment, if I was just to recommend any cam system, it would by far be our Evolve cam system mm-hmm. um, for hunting or target. Uh, you know, when we're when we're building a bow and we're building and designing cam, you know, a hundred and ten percent of our of our thought process is accuracy and consistency with this cam. So it's not necessarily are we building a target bow, are we building a hunting bow. You know, it first starts with we need to come up with a cam that's just going to be as accurate and consistent as possible for right. for the end user. And then we can take that cam design and then drop it into the different models from there. So when, when you're looking at a cam design, most hunters want high let off and, and not necessarily need it, but they want it. So with that ECS cam system, you can get 80 85 90 percent but if you're a target shooter as well and most target shooters want and need lower let off you can still stay with that you know evolve camp system and put a lower let off module on there right. and still get that perfect holding weight that that you're after so if, if i was to say you know which one cam to go with the evolve camp system all the way does axle to axle matter because you see some some manufacturers out there they're actually making like 28 inch bows 26 inch bows you know, and shorter. Um, and then you have the other spectrum too, that they're making them 35, 36, 37. Does the axle axle really matter? Or does that actually fit like a type of person? Like, yes, it, it matters to the type of person. That, that, that's, a, that's a great question. And as a matter of fact, when you and I were going through this just the other day, we tried a couple of different model bows and you yeah. try to, and I'm shooting the Expedite. And so my first bow I wanted you to try was the Expedite. Mm-hmm. But when you put that, that's 33 inches axle to axle. And you put that 31 in your hand, and it, when you drew it back the first time, the the look in your eyes and your statement <laughs> was, you know, this is it. This is mine. And there, there, there's no need to even try anything else. So, yeah. so the axle to axle matters to the, the, the individual. Mm-hmm. It's just what they want out of a bow, what they like out of a bow. I've got a guy in my local staff who's 6'4", six, 6'5", six, and he likes the shortest bows that we have available. Really? Every year he likes to shoot the shortest model available and he shoots him well really yeah he shoots him really really well you know and and i'm gonna refer back to when we were shooting the other day and when i put that 31 that evolved 31 in my hand mm-hmm. and shot it it only took three arrows and we literally pulled them off the shelf mm-hmm. and put a whisker biscuit on them put it to my draw length and i used basically the same release i've used but no sights and no nothing and that bow felt like my bow the way it's set up at home mm-hmm. with stabilizers sights everything on it it felt that way and that's when it told me i'm like i'm comfortable with this bow this yeah. is the one that's for me and the expedite the expedite was not a bad bow at all it just did not it just didn't feel the way i needed it to yeah. feel um same cam system same you know it's a it's two inches bigger axle axle but you know i'm a shorter guy but i like that 31 to 32 inch there and mm-hmm. it does make a pretty big difference yeah so. it does it does make a huge difference so and that's what we cannot stress enough is that what what do we need to do to get you into your dealer to try it 
I right. mean, you can you can look at our bows online. You can watch our videos over and over and over again. But until you get to your dealer and try it like you did the other day with me, I mean, that that's the only way you're going to really realize how good that bow feels. And that's what I recommend to everybody that that wants to get into a new bow. Go in there and shoot them. Like, go pick up three different bows. But what I like to do personally is, you know, I'll shoot one three times or however many, and then I'll grab the next one right away and shoot that one. Grab the next one right away, shoot mm-hmm. that one. Because then I can pick out the imperfections that I don't like or that I do like right away. Now, if I shoot one, go grab my arrows, come back and shoot. I don't know if it's the way my mind works. I just got to grab it, you shoot, You do it shoot. while it's fresh. It's yeah. still fresh in your yeah. mind. You know, you're, you're still thinking. Exactly, about it. because yeah. when I pull that 31 back and I grab the expedite and pull that 33 back, it's like, okay, it's a little stiffer, but it's a little harder draw or whatever it is. Or, you yeah. know, it, it just, it's fresh in my mind, like you said, and, and that's just what's the most effective for me. So yeah. I tell her, I want to tell everybody to go do that. Go grab three, four bows off the shelf. Don't, mm-hmm. don't think you're a nuisance. You're, you're spending a lot of money yes. on a bow. Go, exactly. it's like buying a car in a, in a yeah. sense too. Go grab them off the shelf, have someone set them up for you and say, I want to shoot all these bows mm-hmm. and go do it right there. And that's what's going to give you, I think, the best results all all of your good pro shops will accommodate that yeah all of them will and, and then you know to take that a step further you know like like i said at the beginning you know we, we've always known that we've been beating everybody in speed and the last couple of years we were i'll admit we were losing to feel and most customers are sold at that three yard range in the back of the shop mm-hmm. so all they're wanting to know is there's how that bow feels at full draw and how it feels on the shot and our and and there were some other companies that were introducing some high let off cans that felt good at that three yard range and they were beating us on feel but once they bought it and took it home we're realizing that you know th- this bow feels good when i shoot it but it it it's not as accurate as i as i can be and and they're realizing that right. this this bow feels good to shoot but it's not shooting as well as i know i can shoot mm-hmm. so when you get to your retailer you know try them all find out which one feels better for you but take them out and shoot them for groups too. Right. I mean, that that's a that's even a should be even a bigger deciding factor for mm-hmm. you. I mean, it's you don't want to know that when you're in a tree stand that bow feels good when you missed. You want right. to know that it felt great and that you're going to hit your spot. Exactly. You know, so yeah. To, yeah, shoot it for groups too. So you know, we we just hit on axle to axle, um, the weight of the bow, the mass weight. Does that really matter for a bow hunter? I mean, is is it is it something big? Um, you know, um, the industry has, has dictated that, meaning the, the bow hunting consumers have told, basically told the world, I want lighter, lighter and lighter and lighter and lighter. And, you know, what you have to be careful with, with is, do you want the lightweight or do you want the right weight? Mm-hmm. You know, if you get too light, you know, typically in the past you get lightweight, it meant more vibration, more hand shock. But with our X technology built into the bows, and now even what, going a step further with our carbon handles, you can get to that 3.2 pounds, and you still get a great feeling bow in your hand, and you're not gonna you're not gonna give up any accuracy. You're gonna maintain the good feel. You're not gonna give up any accuracy, but still you want the right weight. So I know we talked a lot about it over the last couple of years. I have a carbon bow myself, 
and I've got a front stabilizer and a back bar on it yep. um, to add a little bit of mass weight just to give me a little more stability mm-hmm. on the long range shots. Yeah, and that's what, you know, I've got the carbon as well, and that's what I'm kind of trying to fight with right now with my back stabilizer and my front stabilizer, trying to play with weights to see where the best is. You know, I've been pretty pretty good the last couple of years with it, but I'm now just trying to make the jump to be even more precise with it. Now I watch uh louie and, and stefan shoot and it's like okay and i, I want to get just a little bit better and they're professional shooters as well yeah. and they do it for a living but it just makes you want to do a little better even if it is in the in in the woods you yeah know? And, and and i love to hear that from you i mean don't get complacent yeah i mean we we're always getting better and better and we're, we're you know we got you know we're better today than we were yesterday but knowing that, you know, continue to want to get better. That's what I really like. But right. also realizing that, you know, there was a time when you first started and we, we couldn't hit a pie plate at 20 yards. Right. And the next thing you know, you're doing it every time. And it was that was a, a big a big stepping stone for you at the time. And then you went from that, you know, from that 10-inch pie plate to an 8-inch, you know. So it was better, but just not leaps and bounds like it was right. before. So. Yeah. Every day we're getting better. I don't think I don't think a lot of guys are really realizing it because right. it's just not those those big leaps and bounds like they were at the beginning. Yeah. So continue to want to get better, continue to strive to get better and and work on on new things. I mean, you may not you may not see it, you may not think it, but you're making yourself better every time. Yeah, and so the last two I have on this subject is draw weight and speed. Now, draw weight is probably a pretty big one because you know, you see a lot of guys that always have to pick their bow arm up and draw back, and especially if you're in a tree stand or on, you know, ground with an elk hunt or something. You know, me personally, I like to be able to sit down, hold my bow arm up, and if I can't pull my bow straight back without moving my, because mm-hmm. I'm a right-handed shooter, my bow arm, my left arm up, then I feel like I have too much weight. Even mm-hmm. though I can pull it back, that's too much weight. Now, explain a little bit about bow weight, you know, draw weight, basically, um, and where you should really find your where you should be yeah that that's a that's a great point there and and what i tell people all the time is i want if you're going to hunt with it i want you to hunt with as much weight as you can pull comfortably and and i don't know what that is you have to find that out for yourself but you explained it perfectly if you can sit or from basically from the most awkward position that Mm -hmm. you can think of in any hunting situation if you can pull that bow back smoothly and easily and still get to anchor and make a comfortable shot, then that's the right uh, the right weight for you. Okay. So typically, w- what I will do is, it, if I can, if if I'm in a tree stand, lucky enough to be in a tree stand, if I can hold my pin basically on my target, and then draw back, and keep and, the pin and on and the keep target. the pin on my target. And th- then that's the right weight for me. Okay. You know, and you, you can, like you said, you can do it smoothly. Right. You, you don't want to get detected. You don't want to get busted. Yeah. So you want to be able to, you want to already be aiming towards your target, your animal at that point. Yeah. You don't want to have to sky draw and then come back and find them. You want to stay focused on them. You don't want to have to take your eyes off of them. Pull as much weight as you can so that you can lay your pin on him at the beginning and then smoothly draw it back and anchor. Now, also with the draw weight, Let's say you have a 70-pound bow. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's 70-pound limbs. That's the max it can go to. Do you recommend guys backing their poundage off from a 70-pound to a 60-pound, or should they just go out and get 60-pound limbs? Well, if you're only ever going to shoot 60, then get 60-pound limbs. You know, every bow shoots best at peak weight. 
But the cool thing about the X-Technology lens is that our lens are so highly preloaded that even if you get that 70 and take it down to 60, you're still going to maintain great performance and speed. Uh, you, if you get that 70 and take it down to 60, you're going to be slower than if you were shooting that same bow at 60. And the reason being is when you back the limb bolts out that far, you're changing your, your deep, getting a deeper brace height, yep. essentially. Okay. So, you, you know, you're changing the, the effective brace height of that bow. And by doing that, you're changing the effective draw length. So you're going to have to set the module down to the next uh, shorter setting. So you're changing your power stroke effectively by d getting that 70 down to 60. But when you do that, you're not losing a lot of performance. You're not losing a lot of feel because highly preloaded limbs are going to pull those cables and string together so tightly so quickly that bow is still going to feel great if you take that 70 down to 60 but if you're ever only going to shoot 60 do yourself a favor and get 60 a 60 pound bow or 60 pound lens okay that makes a lot of sense because you know i have i have some friends that do have 70 pounds and they have backed it off to like 63 or 64 and me i always thought too not that they're doing anything wrong but I feel like if I have a 70 pound bow, I need to shoot at 70 pounds and I need to get to the point where every, if I need to practice at 62 to get to 65, 65 to 67, you know, and work mm -hmm. my way up to 70, then that's what I have to do. Yeah, yeah. But like you said, I want peak performance out of that bow. And I feel like even when I back a bow off from 70 to let's say 62 or 63 pounds, when I shoot that bow, it in, in a sense, it kind of feels like it's not bolted down all the way you know what yeah. i mean like it's it's kind of loose it, it's like yeah. a loose screw and i, I don't like that feeling yeah. so it's like i like everything tight and precise yeah. and and that that used to be with with even our bow designs in years past everything felt loose when you backed it out but with our x technology limbs if you get into anything in the x technology line with the preloaded limbs it's not going to feel loose but it's not going to perform like it would at peak weight yeah, okay the, yeah. all, all bows will perform best at peak so I want to move on to some practice. Um, you know, what are some practice exercises to improve your skills and accuracy? What could you be doing on the range before bow hunting to improve all your skills? You know, um, specifically for bow hunting and, and season, um, you know, getting out in, in the environment that you're going to be in, if at all possible. Um, I know it, it used to sound cheesy when I would read the article about people saying, put your jacket on that you're going to hunt with. Well, I'm going to hunt next you know, next month in Ohio, and it's going to be cold. But right now in Tucson, it's 100 and <laughs> 156 degrees. So yeah. I, I don't want to. I don't want to wear a jacket. But I, I've I personally experienced it where I've gone out and I didn't have the gear that I was going to use during the hunt, and I had issued. I ran into some problems. You know, whether I, my string hit my jacket or whatever. But you know, but when you're when you're getting ready to practice, um, shoot a lot of good arrows. Shoot as many good arrows as you can don't i don't people think you know practice makes perfect so they go out and they just shoot and they shoot and they shoot and they shoot and that's good and it's great for conditioning it's great to create it's great to create that muscle memory but if you're not if you're not out there shooting the best arrows you can every shot then you're really not doing yourself and uh, a favor yeah you know you're creating those muscles but if you want to make a good shot you know practice good shots 
every single time practice good shots practice at odd distances especially if you're shooting a pin style sight you know you're not always going to get lucky and have that animal stand at right. 30 or 40 or whatever your pin setting is right. practice shooting in between those dots practice shooting in different positions you know kneeling sitting you know um, you know, sometimes, and I've had it happen before with elk where I've set up on my knees in a position where I think he's coming from and he comes from a different, from a different, you know, position. I had to turn and make that shot, you know, practice those positions. Yeah. And a, a lot of guys make a huge mistake of setting their bows too long and they think they want to set it with a real long draw length so that they can get some more speed. But when you do that, you are, um, you know, it, when you have to make that twisted up shot, you know, it, it's hard to maintain that extra draw length on there. So double check your draw length. doesn't hurt to be shortened it even just a little bit if you ever are put into that situation. Yeah. But, I mean, the best thing best thing to do is, you know, practice with good shots. Make known. So quality over quantity, basically. Yes. If you exactly. go out and shoot three arrows, you know, one week, make sure there are three quality shots. Yeah. You don't have to go out and shoot 30. And, you know, a lot of, lot of uh, you know, the hunting we do out here is a lot of spot and stock. And I've had it happen before where... I've had to, uh, you know, I found a, I found a mule deer or whatever it is that I'm hunting, and he he's in the draw, and I see him come, you know, he's on on just the other side of this hill, and I have to, I know he's on the move, so I have to run up this hill to get to the top to head him off, and and I don't always have the luxury of getting to the top and catching my breath. Right, right. So you have to know that you're going to be able to make a good shot, you know, while while you're breathing hard, while you're fatigued, you know. So practice those situations mm-hmm. if you can. You know, that, that all of those will, will pay off. Yeah, and, and, and something I run into, too, and, and when I'm hunting, I don't like wearing gloves. Like, I just don't like shooting with gloves on. Um, but practice with gloves anyway, because you never know. You might you might get in a situation where you have to wear yes. those gloves. Yes. And I still do practice with gloves, and I practice without gloves. So yeah. it's that's another good way that I like to, um, to get ready. And like what you said, shoot at odd distances. Mm-hmm. Because... Before I've got to the point where, you know, you just go out and you just go through the motions. You shoot at 20 yards every night. Mm -hmm. And it's like you pull your bow up, you know, it's at 20 yards. I shoot at 20. Well, I like shooting at 37. Mm -hmm. I like to shoot at 31. Good. You know, and and I've got a one-pin adjustable spot hog sight that I like to practice dialing in that sight precisely. You know, if it's at 57, I'm going to shoot it at 57. I'll never shoot an animal probably that far, but I like shooting farther distances because it makes that 30 25 20 a chip shot yeah and um you know those it was a good point you made that the odd distances i really like doing yeah and 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 then practicing with your equipment too like you said you meant i shoot a multi-pin sight but you know if you have that dial-up sight know that you're going to know how to use it at the right time you know don't don't learn how to use it when you need to use it Mm -hmm. figure it out beforehand know know your equipment know your range finder know your boat what know your release whatever know how to clip your release on your string when you're wearing gloves yeah one of the the the, i'll tell you a quick story is coming from here you know i'm it's always so hot out here so when the temperature drops a little bit i get cold i'm a big sissy (laughs) so whenever i'm hunting when when it's cool out i have to have gloves on i have to have a face mask on Yep. something to keep you know keep me warm keep my head warm and i was in missouri in a stand and i hadn't had a deer come in and i drew back after having this big face mask on to keep me warm and i thought i can make this shot 
you know, it's close. Mm-hmm. I, I can still see through my peep. I can still see my pin. I can still execute this shot. And it was, I, I, I was a total miss. <laughs> it was a total miss. And, it, and, and I was so caught up in the moment, I didn't realize that I had to tilt my head over sideways to get into the peep because I'm such a big sissy. I had a big face mask <laughs> on to keep me warm. And, you know, just a huge, huge eye opener. And, and that's yeah. one of the things that I try and tell people now is practice before you get out there. Don't figure out at that time that you know i you need to do things differently right. when you're wearing gloves when you're wearing a mask when, when whatever yeah. don't find out then you know learn it before you get out there i like the you know the point you alluded to shooting the quality arrows over quantity as well because that 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 rings true to what i've been doing my wife she doesn't get to shoot a lot and she'll pull out her bow and she might shoot five or six times and she gets tired and um and then, you know, it's. I always try to kind of push her to shoot more arrows. And now that I should probably be bringing that back a little bit and just say, go out and just say you're going to shoot five quality arrows. Yeah. Just shoot those and, and really concentrate on those five arrows. Because yeah. in the grand scheme of things, like you said, with the muscle memory, yes. you only have to execute that shot one time. Mm-hmm. So it's got to be the yeah. best shot that one time. So Either that have makes her go out and shoot five or go, go out and have her shoot as many good arrows as she can. Mm-hmm. If it's five, if it's 10 or, or whatever it is. Have her shoot as many good arrows as she feels as she can, yeah. and then because once you start getting fatigued, bad habits start forming. You don't you don't want to finish that session on bad habits, right? Because yep. that's going to be the last thing on your mind and the first thing you think of when you pick it up the next day. Yeah. So you no, know, once you start feeling fatigued and and you feel like you're not doing things right, um, put it away. Yeah. It's okay it, as long as you felt that felt that you put in however many good arrows before then, then you had a yeah. good session. It's not. It doesn't mean it, it was a, a good session unless you shot a hundred arrows. Right. You know, it's a good session if you shot as many of the best arrows as you can. Right. Yeah. You know, and, and uh, one last question I have for you, and this is for maybe a new bow hunter that's wanting to get into it. What would you recommend for that bow hunter's wish list? What 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 should they be going out there if you're in a market for a, a bow? to get into bow hunting, what should that wish list consist of? Yeah, you know, I, I love that topic because even as long as I've been in it, um, I was still that first time bow hunter too. And I still remember the excitement of going out to, to find all the, all of the new gear. And it, and, uh, even back then it was overwhelming for me cause I was brand new and I didn't know what to look for. I right. just knew I needed some new gear and it was exciting and fun to find all of the right gear. So, um, the best thing for that new bow hunter is to get to your local dealer. Um, relying relying your, on your friends and your buddies. If you have any buddies and friends that are already bow hunters, you know, lean on them and get some topics from them. And if you don't, get to that local retailer, get to your authorized PSE retailer. They're going to give you all of the good advice. Um, shoot, you can even call into our customer service department and ask those questions. Yeah. And, and, and our guys will tell you, you know, some of the right things to get. Um, but... Uh, Read some articles, you know, listen to Aaron's podcast, (laughs) and and we'll get you into the right places. But that that is such a cool and exciting topic. Even as long as I've been doing it, I love, I still love, you know, helping people get into their first, their first bow and help them set up their, their gear. So definitely uh, probably didn't answer your question. No, you asked it perfect. uh, Yeah. Yeah. That's cool and exciting. And I'm glad you brought up the customer service here because they are second to none. I'm a big guy in customer service and I've had to call if I can't get a hold of you, I've had to call PSE and, and, and get some, and get some, uh, you know, some, some pointers on what I need to do. And now that I've got to meet the people in customer service, you know, and, and face to face, they're very great people. And, and uh, 
you know, it, it's second to none. And, you know, you just give me an hour of your time and we've been busy the whole week and I appreciate you coming on and doing this oh, and yeah. we could get it done. I, it. I definitely want to get you on again to talk about more, maybe more precise things as far as like release aids and sure. arrow building. You and I've been talking about arrow building for the last three days, Yeah. you know, and before I would just think, oh, I just need to buy arrows. These are the right spine. I'm going to just fletch them. No, there's a lot more in arrow <laughs> building than I really thought. And I think we should really dive into that. But sure. today we'll, uh, We'll uh, enter here, and we'll we'll get you back on and do some arrow All building. All right, I would stuff, I so. would love to be back. I would love yeah. to be back if it's uh, if I can help anybody else, or even just just to sit here and chat again. It's it's always Definitely. fun. And, uh, I appreciate you having me. Yeah, thanks, Bobby. Very cool. Wow, I mean, I hope you were taking notes on that because I'm gonna have to go back and listen to it about 13 times just to get everything down on paper so I can keep all that information fresh in my mind. And it does help that I can call Bobby at any time and, and you know ask him any questions and he'll answer. But holy tornado, that was <laughs> that was a lot. I get it, but there's a lot of good, valuable information in there, and that's what I was looking for from that. And like I said earlier, I'm gonna get Bobby back on here sometime, and we're gonna talk a lot about arrow building and how to build the best arrow for bow hunting. And uh, I'm really excited about that because there's a lot that actually goes into it. So you know, with all that being said. Um, I want to thank everybody for all the support and please, please, please go to iTunes and, and leave a leave a rating, leave a five-star rating if you would and leave some feedback because that's how, you know, the podcast keeps running and, you know, the good feedback and even if it's bad feedback, I want to know all that stuff. Let me know. Um, also, go to the Instagram page, follow that, the fall podcast on Instagram and Facebook. I'm not very good with the Facebook thing. I, I really don't know much about it, but I know there's a Facebook crowd out there, so I just like to put stuff on there. But go there, like it, follow it. And uh, I'm starting to do some vlogs here and there, you know, just some some videos. I'm trying to get some up about just from my experiences. You know, I'm not saying this is the right or wrong thing. I'm just showing you what my experiences are, and hopefully somebody might be able to take something from it. So. That's all I got for you today. I appreciate everybody uh, listening and and uh, really the support. It's 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 crazy. I I love it and thank you very much. And don't forget an all new podcast next Wednesday. Thanks, guys. Yeah.